Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Dan Deardorff is a member of multiple halls of fame. Obviously, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He won the Pete Rozelle Award for broadcasting excellence at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame, Michigan Hall of Fame, St. Louis Hall of Fame, uh, Sports Hall of Fame, the uh, Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. And he's with us now on the uh, Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Dan, good morning. How are you, sir? Uh, good morning, Randy. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Did I miss? Are you in an Ohio Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah, that's a big negative. Uh, <laughs> uh, no one who went to the University of Michigan. Uh, uh, I've, <laughs> I, I actually, uh, uh, I could have been uh, inducted into a high school Hall of Fame uh, in Ohio, but the ceremony uh, actually. Uh, was to take place at halftime of an Ohio State basketball game uh, in their arena in Columbus. And I uh, graciously passed. Smart move. I said thank you anyway, but I I don't believe I'll subject myself to that kind of abuse. I don't blame you. Hey, I I, I wanted to, uh, first of all, our, our condolences to the, the family and friends of Phyllis George, because when you were playing, and uh, you your team introduced me to good football when you guys got off to that 7-0 start in 1974. So I, I started watching pregame shows. I was a fan, but I wasn't really invested. So I started watching pregame shows, and there's Phyllis George. So I was a fan literally when she got there. It was... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, if you're of a, of a certain age, that was that was that was just something you'll never forget. Uh, Irv uh, Cross, Jimmy the Greek, uh, Phyllis, and and you are looking live, Brent <laughs> Musburger. It was uh, it was ingrained in all of us. And so I wanted to get you on because I want you to tell that story about when she was coming in to interview Conrad. Well, I only have to say two words <laughs> to anyone who played for the Cardinals: pearl drops. Because that's what flipped the switch. When we, Conrad Dobler was to be interviewed uh, after practice by, by Phyllis George. She had traveled into St. Louis. And when we saw Conrad uh, in front of the mirror in the locker room using pearl drops, uh, toothpaste, uh, polish uh, in front of the mirror, we went, this has gone too far. And that's. Uh, that's when Jackie Smith and I decided to uh, bring Conrad down a peg or two. And what did you do? Well, he had this. He, he was in the bathroom. He he was completely dressed except for his pants. I mean, he had shoes and his socks on already. He had because back then he had some bell-bottom jeans, but these designer jeans. He had a a, a shirt on. It was the seventies, you know. Everything we wore in the seventies 
was really regrettable today. <laughs> I, I, I pretty much discarded every picture I have of me wearing anything remotely looking like the 70s. But he had these, he had this beautiful pair of designer jeans laid out by his lockers. So Jackie Smith and I decided to cut off one of the pants legs at mid-thigh on his, uh, and it was quite a sight to watch Conrad slide that on and bare leg came out uh, uh, and he lost it. He completely lost it. But Dan, how did his teeth look? Uh, well, his teeth looked great, but uh, they were kind of uh, they were kind of disguised when he started foaming at the mouth. Uh, <laughs> he threw he threw one of the epic tantrums of all time. He actually picked up uh, a bench that sat in front of oh, probably it stretched for five or six lockers. I I bet you that bench was a good eight feet long. He picked that bench up and threw it up against the wall, and it hit so high up on the wall, it almost broke a wall clock that was hanging up on the wall. It was epic. It was, uh, and, it, and of course, we all uh, feigned innocence about who could have done that. Conrad never found out who did that for 20 years. Well, my question was going to be, Dan, he obviously was upset. I wanted to know if he enacted any retribution, if there was any revenge. But I guess if he didn't even know who exactly did it, he couldn't do so. Oh, nobody was going to confess to that. (laughs) No, Jackie. No, 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 no. That was that would have been very counterproductive. That that wasn't something that you wanted to own up uh, to right away. I I mean, he kept, you know, it'd be 10 years after the fact. Conrad and I would would just be having lunch. And just completely randomly out of the blue, he'd go, I know you know who did that. And I'd go, Conrad, honest to God, I don't. I really don't. And then finally, I think it was a good 20 years later, Jackie and I were somewhere with Conrad, and we we confessed. And by that time, he didn't have much fight left in him. <laughs> hey, Dan, uh, do you have a recollection as to what he did for the interview? Yes. Um, uh <laughs> This is what really Jackie Smith uh, became the good guy because he lent uh, Conrad a pair of his uh, jeans that he had in his locker. And, of course, they were about two sizes or three sizes smaller than what Conrad needed. So he's stuffing himself into these jeans like a Bob Evans sausage link trying to get in these uh, trying to get in these two small blue jeans. And he went waddling out of the locker room wearing these ill-fitting jeans. And, and of course, once he, he left, we, we're just rolling around on the floor howling. Dan, did Phyllis ever know that story? And if so, what was her reaction to it? Uh, that's a, a good question. I, I, I don't know because uh, we didn't go to the interview. And, I, I, you know, I doubt Conrad... Uh, uh, I, although he did look a little disheveled when he left, uh, his hair was uh, going in different directions, and he, 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 you know, psychologically he was he was a mess. Uh, he was never good to begin with, and and this this made a bad situation even worse. I don't know if he told her or not. Uh, he was probably too busy flirting with her. <laughs> Dan Deardorff with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, Dan, it's interesting to relate that time to now when you guys started winning. I mentioned that 7-0 started in 1974, and I'll never forget my reaction. And I was 
what, 14, 15 years old. But the first time I ever saw the football Cardinals uh, and newspapers were a big thing, and they were the headline on the Globe Democrat in the morning. It wasn't the sports headline. It was the headline of the paper. And our entire community was galvanized. The card baseball Cardinals hadn't been good for a while. Uh, the, the Blues were had gone into a funk and the entire community was galvanized around the football Cardinals. And here we don't have sports. What, what I think is the most galvanizing aspect of society. I think we really do need it. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and people are just, people are just starving. Uh, it's, it, it's a, it's a sign of normalcy, but it is, it, it, it's, you know, it's real. I, I know, and I know there are people out there that don't, you know, they're not sports fans per se. They don't really, they don't care if they're, there is or there isn't. But they're in the minority. And there are, I would say the majority of our population takes some satisfaction in, in following some sport. And, and to, to have it completely taken away from us, uh, for the first time ever, really, when we when we see what's happened, you know, you got to go back to you know probably World War II to find anything like this. I, you talk to people and you you even bring up the uh, you even float the idea that you know there might be a problem with college football this fall and 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 maybe the NFL is going to play without and and people people are just stricken they they. They've been struggling with it for a while, and the prospect of it not coming back anytime soon is causing a lot of people a lot of angst. Dan, I know one of the things that the American sports fan has been really pouring themselves into over the past five weeks in the absence of sports has been The Last Dance, ESPN's documentary series on Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, and those 90s Bulls. And I don't know if you've been watching the docuseries, but one of the things that we really learned uh, in these in these 10 episodes is just how singular Michael Jordan was, not only with his talent and the fact that he could take over any game and be the difference maker, but that competitive drive that he had was really unprecedented. And and I don't know if you necessarily get that in a lot of athletes where they just can't turn it off. And Randy and I were having this conversation off the air. And given your career and football, both on the field, off the field as a broadcaster, you have been a part of football your entire life. Is there any football player that you can look to that you think is comparable to Michael Jordan in the NFL? Because I know it's obviously different in the way that an NBA player can take over a game. But I just wonder, in your opinion, if there's an NFL comp to Michael Jordan. Oh, if if there's been one in modern uh, uh, times, I would think it would be Tom Brady, who uh, shows that relentless competitive spirit. Uh, uh, if you if you talk to anyone uh, who was a teammate of Tom's uh, with the Patriots, they would he was demanding. He would drive people. He was always the first guy there, the last guy to leave. Uh, there were a lot of similarities there. You know, you don't achieve success uh, at that level uh, without having. Uh, you're driven, uh, and and maybe and maybe sometimes most people don't have the forum where it's so visible as as it was for Michael Jordan. But yeah, we were all driven. We were all the sacrifices we made to be successful. Uh, sometimes they took a toll on your family. They took a toll on your relationships. Uh, watching that, 
and I have been watching that series, and I watched it intently. Um, I, I, I saw a lot of things that I recognized, and not only myself, but some of my teammates. And by the way, I did learn one thing. Uh, I, don't ever say anything bad about Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> The guy's, guy's got a memory like an elephant. He sure does. There's a chip on the shoulder, no doubt about it. Uh, Dan, I, I found it interesting that uh, w- when you talk about uh, guys that just th- they're relentless in their pursuit of excellence, uh, maybe a guy that was in the town at the same time, a guy that did everything he could to win was Walter Payton. Now, he didn't always win early in his career, but running that hill and making sure that he was in the best physical condition and doing everything in and out of season to be great, that's really hard to be that committed. Yeah, it really is. And it, it does show the difference between the two sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, there are uh, 11 guys uh, on the field for one team at a time during a football game. Uh, versus five on a on a basketball floor, and uh, no one football player uh, can take over a game to the extent that one basketball player can, and and that's one of the big difference between the two sports. Because you're right in terms of uh, dominance, in terms of uh, uh, competitive drive, uh, uh, Michael Jordan had nothing on on Walter Payton. And, but it's just, again, I think the illustration between the two sports. Hey, I, one thing I learned about Michael Jordan is, uh, did I really see one clip about in four or five where he was pulling out of his house and, and he had a 23 on the gates of his house. (laughs) And and then uh, they show him multiple times driving a car around. He's got a vanity plate on his porch. I mean, he's, it, he had a, his last license plate said air. Air, that's now, it. <laughs> I, am I the only one that's going, really? Michael Jordan's driving around with vanity plates? He wanted people to know who he was? He was feeling it, Dan. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 if I was Michael Jordan and, and they, I would want the James Bond, Aston Martin, that became invisible. That would be my... That would be the ultimate vanity car for me. I, I sure as heck wouldn't have any license plates with my name on it. Yeah, I thought it was ironic, Dan, how they were talking about how Michael couldn't step one foot out of his home or out of a, a hotel without being mobbed and how that took a toll on him. Yet he's cruising around in a red Porsche with, the, with air as his license plate. <laughs> you know, and why do I have this vision right now that somewhere Michael Jordan is listening to this and he just said to himself, <laughs> Deardorf is dead to me. <laughs> I, I guess it's over. Yeah. <laughs> You're on the list. I'm going to be in there with Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> right. Double D, before we let you go, how have you handled uh, quarantining and social distancing? You and Debbie doing all right? Oh, yeah, we're doing fine. We're like everybody else, just uh, uh, super careful. And now the things are uh, opening back up. Uh, you know, we're entering an era now of uh, personal responsibility. Uh, it, it, it is time now that we're going to start venturing back out, but it's, it, it, it's now all about personal responsibility in my mind. Uh, it, it, it's up to each one of us to take care of ourselves and at the same time take care of everybody you come into contact with. If you go out and you're going to go into a store, if you're going to go into it, wear a mask. 
that's the only thing that I just we all are going to just have to make some sacrifices here to take care of each other. And I I I, I cringe when I see some of these shots of twelve people bellied up at the bar, all shoulder to shoulder, nobody wearing a mask, and um, I, I it's we just all got to take care of each other right now. Well said, and that's what makes you such a great leader for our community, those sorts of things. We appreciate it. We always appreciate your time and uh, reminiscing with you. All right, and Randy, are you used to getting up early in the morning? Uh, Dan, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm handling it so far. I, I haven't been late, let me put it that way. I'm handling it so far so good. Well, I, uh, I you know, Bernie, I, I, I talked to Bernie afterwards, and I know you have it. It's a tough, tough, it's a tough business, mm-hmm. but... Uh, uh, it's yours now, and uh, take it and run with it. Uh, you'll have a ball. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that very much. All right. See you later. Talk to you later, Andy. Thanks. Bye, Michelle. Bye, Dan. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.